This week, Mostly Technical is brought to you by Lara Jobs, the official Laravel job board. Now, here's Ian and Aaron. Hello. Hello, Ian. How are we doing today? What's going on? Not a whole lot. I know we have, uh, we finally have some mailbag. We should just address that right at the top. Mailbag. So exciting. Um, yeah, so we have an email. Let's jump right into it um, from Joel Claremont. I assume that's how he says it. It's always fun to say people's names on. I would say Claremont. Claremont. Maybe it's Joel Claremont. I would say. All right, Joel Claremont. He can follow up with more mailbag about how to say his name. It's uh, infinite mailbags if we just pronounce people's names wrong every time. Exactly. That's good content. Um, All right, so he had a question. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the, the summary of it is basically that he has a podcast for devs, you know, and which... We do too. Um, and he's, you know, been doing it for a few years. Uh, it's called No Compromises. And just basically wondering how to kind of increase the subscriber growth. And I think just in general, this kind of applies even beyond podcasts, but like audience growth in general. Um, sounds like it kind of does the regular stuff now, post on social media and uh, some SEO stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? I know we've talked a little bit about kind of marketing and things mm-hmm. like that in general um, and audience growth. But uh, what are your thoughts on kind of specifics around how things you might try? Yeah. So some of the things like some of the things we're doing for this podcast, like we take this video and we put it on YouTube. And I think that's a good like that's a good distribution strategy. Um, But I don't think that's like a native YouTube strategy. Um, I think the trick is people that already know us and want to listen or watch the podcast could go to YouTube and do that. But I don't think we're gaining much like in terms of net subscribers by putting it on YouTube. And I feel like that's kind of the hard part with podcasts. You know, I've done a few now and it feels like you just have to bring your audience to the podcast instead of using the podcast to grow your audience. I think if it were like, I don't know if it were like a more general, generally applicable podcast, like a, you know, murder or crime podcast or something (laughs) like then you can pick up new audience members. But I feel like with these dev podcasts, it's kind of hard to like break out of, you know, the iTunes new and noteworthy category or something. And so the, all the stuff that Joel says he's doing, you know, put it on social media, newsletter, that kind of stuff. I feel like that's, that's what you have to do. You just have to talk about it in all the other places that you're at and people that are in your audience will listen. I don't know if that's like, is that like a downer take that podcasts aren't going to grow your <laughs> audience? Is that bad? What do you think? I don't know. I, I'm a little torn. I sort of think, um, I, de- I definitely agree early on. So he's like three years into it. So it's definitely a beyond kind of early on, but like you're bringing your audience in and, but you know, so just in that, I do think there's actually huge value there because it does like, you know, those are kind of like your hardcore audience, right? It's like yes. the people who follow you on Twitter, fine. Like, you know, there's thousands of them in our cases and they follow us and that's fine. But then the group that then follows us here and spends an hour with us, right? Like that's a group that's really very interested in what we yes. have to say and things like that. And so I think there's a lot of value in having that relationship with the kind of hardcore group that is interested in what you're doing. Um but yeah, it is definitely a little bit harder, I think, in dev to break out wider. Certainly, you're not likely to ever be featured, you know, by mm-hmm. Apple or something like that. Um, but I mean, there are podcasts that do do it. I do think you kind of have to hook maybe a little bit to something. So like whether it's, you know, in our world, like we kind of hook whatever new stuff in Laravel, we'll probably talk about that. And every time that happens, you know, we'll grow a little bit potentially there or like you see like 
obviously Apple podcasters. There's a lot of those. And every mm-hmm. time Apple does something, then they grow a little bit because people are interested in the new iPhone or whatever. So I do think there is a little bit of some strategies there of like the topics you cover and how that can maybe help. But um, yeah, a lot of it is just kind of grinding away. Definitely in my previous podcast, it was like pretty slow and steady type thing, mm-hmm. but not huge. Uh, I do. The one thing about YouTube that's kind of nice is you get an actual subscriber account, which is sort of cool. Even yeah. though I agree it's not going to like the algo is probably not going to push your podcast um, mm-hmm. super far and wide. But uh, and then you do get things like clips that you can share on social media and stuff. So the I think the video is sort yep. of interesting. Uh, gives you another thing to do on social media other than just say, hey, we have a podcast. It's like, no, yeah. like throughout the week, you can drop a few clips of the video and that's kind of cool. And we've definitely had people pick up the videos and make their own clips from it and share when we where we talked about them, for example, mm-hmm. or things like that. So gives yeah, other people true. a way to share it a bit. So here's yeah. a principle. Here's a principle mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna run by you. Podcasts yeah. are for uh deepening audience connection and not broaden broadening your audience how does that strike you yeah i think that's Seems like right. true for the majority of them yeah um and here's a bit of trivia did you know a long time ago like 2016 maybe i had okay. a podcast called the music makers podcast which had nothing to do with music okay and wow i didn't it, even know about this one yes um it was basically i would find articles that i liked and found like inspirational and i would read the article for the first part of the podcast and then talk about application to my life in the second part of the podcast and i i got featured in itunes like they itunes reached out to me sent me an email and was like hey send us all of your assets we want to put you in like the new and noteworthy we're going to do a little banner for you in the itunes store and it was it was a big deal yeah it was very very (laughs) cool. cool It was non-dev, like it was super non-dev, but it was it was a fun podcast. And I did, I think, 50 episodes solo wow. of that. Yeah. There you go. And how, how did that go? Did that how did that impact the podcast? So when you got featured on New and Noteworthy? Um, I don't remember exact numbers, but it was like it was a big it was a big step change. It helped for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it definitely helped. I, you know, back then I didn't have any audience at all. So it was just like right friends and family um and this just took it to a whole new level which was cool it was a lot of fun you never know what might happen this is all part of the putting yourself out there right you put yourself out there um which i think that's also like the other benefit of the podcast i've definitely found over the years that they're just like yeah it's obviously just another way to put yourself out there never know who might pick it up a lot of times it's only you know a break comes from just one person learning about what you're doing or whatever and so uh you don't necessarily need you know, a hundred thousand listeners to make it very valuable potentially. So, uh, yeah, that's just like putting it out there, you know, you talking about your stuff and what you're doing and practicing that. So there are these other advantages to it for sure. Yeah. What do you think? One thing he did say, um, is that they do it every two weeks. And I Mm -hmm. sort of feel like that's not the best way to go about a podcast. Um, in terms of if you want, if you really want to grow it, I kind of feel like you need the weekly. I think there's like that element of people just want to be in a groove with you. Yeah. Um, and he but. said 10 to 15 minutes every two weeks. And that's not enough for me. Right. If you did, if you did an hour every two weeks, that's, that's better. But I think right. if you, if you're going to do 10 to 15 minutes, um, I would, I would do it weekly for sure. I, yep. Cause I think part of it, I, I feel like part of the benefit of a podcast is like getting to know the personalities of the people. Right. And if you keep it to 10 to 15 minutes, um, 
you're probably just focused strictly on the content and you do it every two weeks. And it's like, eh, yeah, I don't really yeah, feel I like agree. I know these guys. And the upside of, if it is, if, if you like that 15 minute format, then I mean, just record two at once, right? Like I would just be recording yeah, totally. two at once and then, you know, whatever you have the second 15 minute chunk for the next week. And then you just have your weekly uh, episode and it's not really that much more work. Um, you're still done yeah. like half an hour a week. So plus a little editing. All right, cool. Well, that was cool. I like the mailbag. So uh, don't forget, you can mail us at, um, oh, of course, now it's hidden. Mostlytechnicalpodcast at gmail.com. So send in your uh, feedback. The other feedback that I have gotten Mm. privately a bunch is on the ha, Mm. ha, ha segment and and the ha inflation. We got, I got a lot, I got a lot of people, I got a lot of people messaging me about that one. And there were, there were some good nuances. There were some good nuances mm. about like group chats are, are tap backs appropriate in a group chat? Because if everyone responds with a ha ha, you know, yeah. individual text, is that too much? I thought that was, that was viable. The other one was um, the ha scale being relative, but internally consistent. So like maybe your <laughs> ha scale is different, but you're internally consistent. So you kind of have to learn you know, each person's ha scale, which I, I, yeah, I buy, I find that yeah, it doesn't have to be absolute. And I, then, and yeah. then the final one is the lol, the LOL verifier. Did you right. watch this video? Yeah, that was really funny. So funny. So, um, uh, we got a, a tweet that is, uh, like, it's a funny video. It's like a, basically like a gag video but it's a real thing where a guy makes a little device that verifies if you laughed out loud before you're allowed to like <laughs> type lol and then it'll like stamp it with verified laugh out loud like um so, so cool. i found that i found that to be very very funny so <laughs> lots of lots of good feedback i think joel uh joe mazzalotti sent us that one lots of good feedback on the the ha ha uh, segment of the show. You never know what's going to strike people's <laughs> fancy. This is why we got to cover all the topics. We can't be just in one one silo yeah. here. Um, yeah, no, I think that yeah, that was definitely a lot of people out there talking about that. I think uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still torn in the top pack. I mean, I occasionally do use them in the group, and when I do use them, is in a group setting, like mostly with my family actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can get behind that. Internally consistent, I can also mostly get behind. I have um, also, I have also been told, Ian, I got mm. an inside, I got, I got a leak. Uh oh, uh oh. That told me that you're the king of the ambiguous heh, H E H. I was told. Mm, that yes. I was told that you do that a lot, and it's, it is inscrutable. Nobody, nobody understands what it means. I know. This is. Uh... <laughs> We, this used to be quite a thing when Taylor worked at Userscape uh, and Eric, um, and they they would get quite flustered by the uh, the he or the heh, and um, we're not sure what to make of that. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like to put the heh in there. I don't do it as much anymore. I feel like I've gone more consistent on the uh, ha scale in mm-hmm. recent years, but um, but yeah, I would say the heh was kind of my my ha, like a single ha uh-huh. equivalent. Um, but it did, yeah. There used to be that used to be more of a thing, and yeah, 
they are not the, the your sources are are correct. Um, well, some people are still scarred because I got the DM that was like <laughs> Ian didn't even mention his ambiguous hair, and I was like, what? <laughs> we we all have uh, secrets in our closet. We all have dark casts yeah. in different areas. I mean, uh, you yeah. Know, so if you want to be a whistleblower perfect. against Ian, DM <laughs> me, and I will happily bring it up on the show. So yes. all whistleblowers will be kept anonymous. I love it. I love it. Yes. All the secrets could come out here on the pod. Um, That's right. Yeah, I did. You know, because there is that element of like, you know, it's like the single hot. I don't know where I got even the the H-E-H, but yeah. But I, I was the, my, it was my ha sort of shorthand. Um, I mean. Acknowledgement. Yeah. The H-E-H is like the sound of a single exhale, like yeah. shoulder raise drop, like, huh. Like that is yeah, right. that is H E H versus H A. So I get it, but yeah, ambiguous in text. I like it. Yeah, we got, we got informants on the podcast now. We I know it's going. great. <laughs> it's a whole the the sort of um, network effects uh-huh. here are, are happening. Um, all right, so what do we got here on? That we want to cover next. Do you want to cover some of your news, or do we want to jump into the Laravel stuff? We we can go we can go anywhere. We got to talk about we got to talk about a little bit of Laravel stuff this right. week. There's there's some there's some drama, but we can go yep. to anyone that you want. So you you lead the way. Well, let's do the Laravel stuff together. So why don't we cover your news first, and then we'll jump into uh, some Laravel stuff. Okay. So shall we start with uh, yeah. the big breaking news? Hello, query as we know it is dead r.i.p um so this is the sass thing that i've been working on with colleen and used to be called hammerstone and we pivoted to hello query and then it's it's uh it's over for me at least there's you know colleen might carry on this particular product or she might carry on with a slightly different version of this product or or whatever but for me it is it is finished. I am I am done working on a SaaS product for now. So, yeah. Like, ha, ha, well, I guess so. Um, what led you to this decision? I did. I know you've done a podcast. You don't have to go through fully in depth because you yeah. and Colleen did do a podcast that kind of covered the details, I think. But maybe you could just give us a little summary of kind of what your thinking was there. And yeah, and um, I was burnt out on that particular idea slash project. So we've been working on it for forever um and i think that's one of the things is we've been working on it for too long and we went through these twists and turns of like we're basically just doing consulting for the big client and then it was like okay we're we've dropped consulting and then we try to sell this thing as a standalone and it's like ah not really finding product market fit nobody wants it let's pivot and by the time it was like okay we're we've done all of this and let's pivot and rebuild a completely new product and it got to the point where it was like, I'm about to, we're about to like relaunch this thing and I'm out of steam on this idea yeah. and we're approaching the starting line and I don't, I'm not excited. Like I'm not excited about what comes next. So, yeah. you know, in, in some regards, it's like you approach the starting line and you finally finish building and now you get to go do the fun stuff. Like I did not feel that at all. Right. Like, oh no, <laughs> now we get to go do the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think I have like simultaneously kind of realized what is appropriate for this time in my life and what is appropriate for the next, you know, 
two months from now of my life and SAS like structurally doesn't fit quite as well as content does because content can be finished. Like you can do it and it can be done. Um, and SAS is a lot, a lot more demanding. Plus it's not even off the ground yet. So it's going to be doubly demanding. Like if I could enter maintenance mode on a SAS product, that's one thing, but still like, fixing initial bugs and fielding initial requests on a SaaS product while I'm, you know, have four kids. When we started this thing, Colleen and I had zero kids right. and I'm about to have four <laughs> and it hasn't That's been that been long, you know, it's only been yeah. like two or three years. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, with every, I mean, I know obviously we've talked about it. Everybody always says this about you, that you have such an incredible amount of things going on. So I think uh, narrowing down the focus mm-hmm. a little bit certainly makes sense. And obviously 100% right, of course, that just getting to the starting line when you sort of get the shippable version of the product. I mean, I think there's, um, I was at this talk, which is one of the most famous talks ever, I think, about SaaS called the Long Slow SaaS Ramp of Death um, yes. by Gail Goodman. And definitely a talk everybody should go check out uh if you're gonna do SaaS. but and i don't you know this is like years ago now but i still think not much has really changed with the basics of it which is that you know when you start it's going to be really slow because ultimately the whole deal with SaaS is to accumulate those dollars over many years and so when you get those first customers who pay you 200 dollars a month or 300 dollars a month or 99 dollars a month like it's obviously not a lot of money until you get that to compound and so on so yep. um yeah so and you and that's a hello query is a high level of difficulty yes, SaaS, I would extremely. say. Um, that was going to require a lot of enterprise sales and a lot of customizations. Things. Yeah, it's going to be a lot yeah. of technical. This isn't like the kind of SaaS you throw up there and it's like, oh, it pretty much runs itself. Like, no. yeah, there's some bug fixes or whatever. Like, this was going to be deep no, in the bowels of other people's architecture. Connecting to people's <laughs> databases directly. Right. Like, yeah. Getting through security protocols and everything else. Yeah. So, um, going to be a lot going on there, performance stuff and everything else. So, yeah, totally. A uh, really hard problem. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes total sense. And I think it's really good on your part to recognize that, you know, and before, you know, it's, it's even leaving her at least in a reasonable spot here too yeah. of like, she can continue and so on if she wants. And so um, you're not like, yeah, six months in and there are paying customers. Right. But, and I'm the one who built it. And then I'm like, see ya. Right. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah. So I think that, that that makes sense. So, OK, well. And, and this this lines up with with my uh, Galaxy Quadrant theory. Mm, we should talk about which, that. Yeah. yeah. So this also like. I feel like I've got a lot of of good things going right now, and many of them are pointed in the same direction, except for toiling away in private on a SaaS product, right? And so that's one. That's another thing that I have trying to been like trying to be thoughtful about recently is what are the efforts, and how many of those efforts can I point directionally in a similar way? And so, like. When, you know, when Colleen and I were having these talks about Hello Query, that's the time when the video stuff that I've been doing, both for Planet Scale and for my personal YouTube and for screencasting, that's when all of that really started to like take off. And I started to think, wait, maybe, maybe my best and highest use of time is on video content or content in general instead of SaaS. Like we've talked a number of times on this show about how many other people are better programmers than I am. Like <laughs> Boris and Jason are just, they just do stuff better. And 
I kind of realized, wait, maybe maybe I should do the thing that only I can do seemingly, mm. which is be me on video. Right. And so <laughs> like trying to point all of the vectors the same way and the SAS was basically pointed the opposite direction. And so like the, you know, the float, the audio enhancing app on, on flow tone, screencasting, my personal YouTube, planet scale, YouTube, all of that goes one direction. And this is the galaxy quadrant theory that I kind of operate by, but have never named, but it's a great name. The galaxy. Great name. Quadrant I theory. feel like there's great a whole, name. I know world of content to be created yes. and brand to be built around the galaxy quadrant. Yes, I do. I, I love that. Um, wow. So the Galaxy Quadrant Theory, I was having a hands-on screencasting call with um, Simon Hamp, who's a Laravel community member, and was basically explaining like my theory of projects. And it's like it's a theory of projects, but it's also a theory of um, preserving and increasing optionality and optimizing for success, even if I don't know what the final outcome looks like. Mm -hmm. And what I was telling him was basically like, I am pointed in this direction. And right now that direction is like content video. I'm pointed in that direction. I don't know exactly, you know, which star I'm aiming for, but I know that I'm going to this part of the sky. Like I'm I'm pointed to this quadrant of the galaxy. I don't know exactly yep. what the final monetizable outcome or career defining outcome is, but I feel like good things are happening on this route and so I'm going to point as many vectors towards that route as possible. And along the way I may make adjustments and may decide like ah, I got to steer off this way a little bit. But in terms of what is the single thing that I'm optimizing for? I don't really know. I just know that I'm headed in that direction and it's it seems to be going well. And so I'm going to continue to go that way and we'll find out, you know, we'll find out along the way. Yeah, and I think I mean even like a step back from that, I almost feel like the galaxy quadrant idea of like you sort of started with not simultaneously but this sort of a, an even wider quadrant of like laravel stuff almost because like mm -hmm. camera stone was like laravel plugins yep. components sort of thing and then obviously you were doing content stuff and all that and so then it's like okay you're seeing what works and what doesn't and now it's like okay the content stuff is the stuff that's really like taking off and um so then you net right the quadrant like you narrow mm -hmm, down mm -hmm. into that that like the quadrant becomes another quadrant mm -hmm. right so now that quadrant is going to be which parts of the content world yeah. work best and things like that so um yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and i really do like that visualization of it i think that's really good especially nowadays especially yeah nowadays where like um there are these different avenues to take. Um, and if you're not of the mindset of like SAS or bust and you're open to other paths, then uh, that's a, it's especially good there because, uh, you know, yeah, to build the SAS kind of requires a lot of kind of full on effort and it's hard to mm -hmm. have other things going really. Um, but content is definitely different and or you could do like you could have consulting plus content or whatever. There's all different things you could be doing, but um or like one-off products and things yep. like that uh, where, yeah, you could maybe do a couple at once and start to see what shakes out. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the notion that like um, motion begets more motion. And so as long as you're mm. in motion, you can kind of like, it's easier to, 
you know, change where you're headed. The downside of that is it sometimes looks frenetic and embarrassing to like change direction. And that's, you know, that's just like shut it publicly saying I'm stopping this project I've been working on for years. Not super fun, um, but way, way, way better to do that than to stand still and wait for what is the perfect idea, which will never be the perfect idea. So being being in motion, I feel like even if the direction is not fully known or is maybe incorrect for now, being in motion is better than just like standing around waiting. Yeah, for sure. And I think also, like you said, like making those hard decisions is super important. And I think like you could take the wrong lesson from it, which I think most people are kind of inclined to do, which is like, oh, I shouldn't do things in public because mm. then like, if it doesn't happen or it goes poorly or whatever, then, you know, I'll be embarrassed or it'll hurt the business in some way or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think rare exceptions aside, that's almost never true because it's just like there's so many other benefits to being out there and talking about things. And um, so, yeah, so uh, an inspiration here of getting out there and trying things and Sometimes they don't, don't all work, work but yeah. sometimes you'll find sometimes you'll find some that do, and that's yeah. the whole point. And persistence. I mean, I was just randomly, jeez, uh, oh, what was it? I was searching for some Laravel thing with like um, the morphing system yeah. the other day, and I and I randomly am on like Laravel news, like came up first in the Google search, and like you wrote this article. I did, <laughs> yeah. And I was yep. like, wait a minute, he's everywhere. I can't, yep. I can't escape him. Um, listen, I've I, been toiling in the salt mines for many, many years. Yes, so you've been. My digital persistent. detritus is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's the thing, right? It always just seems like, oh, this person, like they're just shooting up, and that you know where they come from. But it's like, no, actually, they, they've been plugging away at it for plugging years. Away, and years man. You know? <laughs> plugging away, man. Plugging away. the different <laughs> angles, seeing how to yep. make it work. And sometimes it's like one thing helps you a little bit, and then it you know, it stops working and then, but you build you up to a certain level and then, you know, use that as the next jumping point, jumping point, jumping point, um, onto the next thing. So, all right, well, that's a good update there. Um, definitely the galaxy quadrant. I know I got to flesh that out. That's yeah, You really do. That's something that needs like a a big article or like a video. Maybe that's a video. Maybe that is. That would be a cool video. We love a name, you know, with a name, you gotta have a name. And I love, I mean, have the name is like 90%. Like I can't do anything until I have the name. So like, I feel like you've got the name. And it makes a lot of sense and it fits really nice. And it's like space. We can't go wrong with like everybody loves space. space. Everybody loves yeah, space. Exactly. So I feel like there's definitely something yeah. here. It's also very visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'd make a yep, great okay. video. All right. I got, I got to, I got to noodle on this. Cause that's a, yeah. you can't pass up that name. Copyright, right. by the way, I just copyrighted <laughs> it. That's how copyright works. So anyone listening that's copyrighted yeah. now. I like it. A book. All right. Podcasts, the whole thing. Um, all right. So Laravel stuff. So we got Taylor returning to the podcast ring. We got to touch on that. I know the return of the king. Return of the king. Unbelievable. Podcast. So do we know if it's a season thing? Because I know that Matt's Laravel podcast has been seasonal. So is right. this the season of Taylor? You know, I should have checked with him, but I, I know they've, that's what Matt was calling it. Like they were mm-hmm. saying that, and I think even Taylor's tweet said something like that. Like the next, he'll be on the next season or something like mm-hmm. that. So I, I think it is a season, um, but I don't know how many episodes he normally does. I can't recall if it's like 12 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So I guess we'll see, but I guess if they, are, um, you know, are kind of really hit a groove that they might keep going, who knows? Or maybe they'll just stick with the season. But uh, 
yeah, it's good to have him back. I think Taylor has like such a good audio voice. Always uh, he does on audio. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the first episode, um, I listened to it, and they did keep it pretty pretty all Laravel business. So I'm hoping they, they did, opened yeah. up open up next they, time with some spicy. They, yeah, they kept it on the straight and narrow until. I feel like at the end they talked about final classes and he right. was like that's <laughs> stupid or something like that. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to hear. Like yeah. I know what folio is. I know what Volt is. Tell me right. stuff you think is stupid. That's what I yeah. want to hear. That's what I want. Oh, Taylor's got excellent taste, so I want to know what he thinks I know. is stupid or not stupid. Yeah. For sure. So definitely go check out the new Laravel podcast season. Um got Matt and Taylor on there, and that's gonna be gonna be really good. And while you're there, give them three star review and give us a five star review. There just we so go. yeah, just so we keep it, you know, <laughs> give us the relative advantage. You can yeah, listen gotta, to them, but don't let it don't let it go to their head. They've got to earn their way up a little bit. That's right. Who is this new guy, Taylor? Yeah. Come on, give me Nobody a break. Nobody wants to hear his take on Laravel. <laughs> Come on, this is the spot for Laravel takes. Yeah. Crazy. Um. All right. So we want to do final. What do you think about Let's that? Let's do it. Yeah. This is. This is I got a lot of thoughts on this. Ooh, I'll I'll okay. set I'll set I'll set the scene and then mm. you go thoughts and then I'll I'll go thoughts. So right. here's the deal. Um there's been a lot of discussion in the PHP community. I, I think the Laravel community. I I'm not a part of the PHP community. I'm part of the Laravel community. I don't <laughs> know what's going to? on. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> going on outside of Laravel. Um there's been a lot of discussion in the Laravel community about um Marking classes as final, meaning they can no longer be extended by anyone ever at any time. And the discussion is kind of hinged around like open source maintainers or open source authors want to mark classes as final so that those implementations aren't extended, causing like um, causing future maintenance burdens because people extend it and then you change a protected method. And it's like, oh, I, I was relying on that. Um, so that is, that is one camp. The other camp is just leave it. Any open source library should leave all their classes, not final. And I, as the developer will accept the risk that if I extend your class, I'm taking on a certain amount of, of ownership here. And if you change a protected method, that's on me. And so that's kind of where the lines have come down and boy, have they come down hard. (laughs) And so final classes and you're you're going against the will of the open source maintainer and you're restricting the freedom of the developer and then then there's this unfinalized class but let's just start with (laughs) let's just start with that so what are your thoughts so far well first of all just super big picture uh there's this concept Actually, when Taylor worked at Userscape, we used to talk about this all the time, which is like what we do and then real programmers. And so uh, real programmers would be like, you're at NASA and you fire rockets, right? You're sending stuff yep. to the moon. You work at a military contractor. You're firing missiles into something. Maybe you work on software for nuclear reactors, whatever. Like this is real serious programming stuff, right? And then there's like sort of the internet programming and like SaaS apps. And it's not that we're not serious, but at the same time, like... You know, stakes are not that high. You know, it's not. Yeah, the stakes are sort of down a lot. And I already feel like, even though this is not even that crazy of a thing, final. I already feel like we're getting into like this, like that's like real programmer stuff, like final. Yeah. Like I, I don't care what you do. Like so, my main take is I don't, I don't care. Like if you want to put final, fine. Like obviously, it's your project, right? If it's your open source thing and you want to put final on everything, then I guess you'll do that, right? And so be it. Um, I definitely 
prefer it to not be the case because I think just the realities are that like sometimes you need to do stuff like that and to ship the software to the customers, you need to do the thing. And uh, that sometimes, you know, then you just end up like copying and pasting and hacking around some other way. Anyway, you know, there's other hacky ways you do it. I haven't even looked into the unfinalized thing other than that. I saw it and I assume it's doing some similar hackiness of some sort. And so uh, it's, you know, it's not like you can really prevent people from doing exactly. And I know uh, like on the, on Taylor's podcast, they also mentioned that, he doesn't really buy it as a maintenance issue. And I would tend to agree. I'm definitely don't have a lot of huge open source projects, but um, yeah, I mean, if you use final and or if you, use, if you extend uh, a class like that and hit a problem with a protected method or something, then that sucks for you. you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not going to fix that for you because you broke it yourself. And so I think yes. that's kind of a reasonable take to have there. And if you're doing that, like, that's obviously an area you want to have tests and things because you know you're taking an extra risk and that the underlying yep. code might change. And so you should be prepared for that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my take. I don't know. What what are your thoughts? I'm excited to hear what you're thinking. Ian, it is nonsense. This right. thing, this is so freaking stupid. I think it is the silliest thing in the world. This like, I'm going to mark these things final so that you don't accidentally do something that may be a little bit risky. Like I'll, I'll be the, I'll be the arbiter of that. Like let, right. let me, let me decide if I'm going to do something that seems risky instead of making me jump through all of these hoops, because here's, here's part of the problem is they're like, you should just use composition over inheritance. And I'm like, one, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? <laughs> two, two, if you don't leave them all of every uh, appropriate hook to be able to do that you're hosed right. like you you say use composition over inheritance but then your library doesn't expose everything i need to actually do that and it's right. like okay i would love to but you you didn't set it up right, right. and so <laughs> that's frustrating to me and then this whole like this whole notion of of open source maintenance, like I I don't I don't buy it. I yeah. I didn't buy it personally. And then when Taylor said, "Hey, I've never really had that problem," I was like, "Okay, this is a straw man." Then because if Taylor right. doesn't have that problem across literally thousands of classes, you you don't have that problem. And to the extent that you want to feel warm and fuzzy, I think there is like a final annotation that like makes the mm. makes the like contract explicit between you and the implementer you can say like this method is supposed to be final and is not like guaranteed backward compatibility you know non-breaking stuff mm. do that do that if you want to like give a warning to people that they can't use your stuff but mm. if they want to like the warranty is void which, right. by the way, there are no warranties in open source. You can just close <laughs> the issues. You can just say, no, you did something right. stupid here. Issue closed. And I don't know. This whole this whole thing seems so silly to me. The thing, the place that I come down is who cares? Like, right. how do you have so much energy to care about this? <laughs> I've got so many other things that I care about. And so the the unfinalized thing, which is just just a master, like a master troll basically right. is somebody created a package that after you composer install, which is our package manager, after you install mm -hmm. all, all of your libraries, this package unfinalized will run a hook that goes through your entire vendor directory and removes <laughs> all final class 
like annotations oh. <laughs> or, or um, de- declarations. And so then all of the final classes are now open for extension again. And it is just it's just weird, like arms race, because now people right. are talking about, OK, well, in your open source library, you can say that your your library is not compatible with this unfinalized uh, library. And then that way, composer composer will say, ah, we can't install uh, both of these things. And it's like, guys, who cares? Uh, who cares? Or, Nobody cares. Or it's like no use a different license. Uh, because MIT, the whole point of it is, that, is you can just take the code and do whatever you want. So like, I mean, to block this guy's package is totally insane. Um, because like, that's the whole point of that license. Uh, there are other licenses that impose different restrictions. Uh, but then obviously the trade-off there is people probably won't use your package because um, then they don't want to deal with all those restrictions, which is kind of yep. what's ended up happening. Uh, it's, it's things have mostly s- sorted out to being MIT is kind of the de facto standard license. Um, we have to have an episode on licenses one day. I got, oh, I got a lot of rants on licenses, but anyway, yeah, the whole thing is kind of silly. Again, like if this is the method that controls the nuclear launch code, like go ahead, slap a final on that sure. baby. But uh yeah i don't know like some random open source thing that's going to be used for some standard crud stuff like like it's okay let people get in there it'll be all right give them the sharp knives and if they cut themselves that's too bad right yeah and it's (laughs) it's different open source open source versus you know in-house proprietary stuff right? right so if you're shipping open source i feel like you can you you may think you know what's like the use cases you have no idea how people are actually going to use it and the weird things they're going to do if you're if you're in-house and you have you know a hundred developers and you need certain things to be final so that people don't do things that will hurt the business fine do it great i don't care but yeah this is like i'm gonna i'm gonna protect the community from themselves because i am magnanimous it's like come on boo in-house is so different too because it's like you can go to the group that controls that code and you can have the discussion and yes you can do all those things and um you know and somebody above all of you right some the ceo or whoever can make a decision and say listen we're going to do this or we're not going to do that and there's business reasons to do it um and obviously it's a lot different than just an open source package that you're just putting out there for people to use i mean literally according to the license however they want like that is the purpose of of this open source project uh is for people to use however they want it's like right in there in the license agreement so um yeah i think obviously you know you can final if you want but i think it's not a lot of upside there most of the time no y'all we got better stuff to do y'all gotta y'all gotta move on we gotta chill yeah we 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 don't want to one we don't want to be the JavaScript community and just <laughs> just devolve into infighting until we implode. And two, there's just so much there's so much more interesting stuff to worry about. Like let's just let's just mend these differences and just forget about it. So you brought up a interesting thing here with uh, the PHP community, and I thought this maybe be interesting to touch on that for a second because. Uh, there's a couple of different things there is like one is like there's just these different huge elements like to me php is kind of like what you said like it's laravel like the laravel community mm-hmm. is the php community and then but obviously like php is like 80 percent of the programming languages for the web are you know done yeah. in php um so obviously wordpress being a huge part of that um but other libraries and systems and stuff as well uh, i don't know, i think facebook is still somewhat on php and things like mm-hmm. that so uh there is this weird and then and then 
a little beef I have with Cloudflare, and you know I love Cloudflare. I know you do. But they're You're trying to look balanced here. So this is your like, <laughs> this is your faux outrage. I should follow up with this just to be sure I'm 100% accurate here. But at least last time I checked, they have this this sort of uh, thing called workers, which is mm-hmm. kind of like Lambda or whatever. And, um, but it doesn't like run PHP natively. I think there's some like hacky right. way to execute mm-hmm. PHP in there, but you can't just natively run it. And but of course there's like JavaScript natively runs and Python and whatever. And a lot of the AI stuff too is Python. Yep. And it's like, what about PHP? Everybody use like literally everybody knows PHP. Like hundred percent of web developers know, know PHP. And then, know. you know, 80% of the internet is actually run on PHP. And yet PHP is always getting shafted on these like, uh, you know, modern systems. It's like, no, give PHP first class status. But so I don't know. What's your take on PHP community versus Laravel community or as part of Laravel community and all that stuff? Well, my it first is take is, yeah, nobody takes us seriously and I don't I don't get it. Right. And it's just <laughs> I like, know, I don't get what, it. what's the deal with that? It's so it's so, so interesting. Even that video I did about PHP doesn't suck anymore. When the Primogen did a reaction video to it, mm. he was like, yeah, I, I, I haven't looked at PHP since 2012. And a lot of this is new to me. And it's pretty cool that PHP has all of this. And I'm like. Yeah, come on, man. And like, I don't think PHP is the greatest language in the world, but boy, does it work? Like, it works great. It does what I need it to do. And it, yeah, anyway. PHP community, I don't know the first freaking thing about the PHP community, except that they used to moan about Laravel all the time. Like, I remember a day (laughs) when, when every, every week or every couple times a week, there would be these long fights on Reddit about like facades. I just, <laughs> and I think that's back when that's like back when Laravel was still gaining like a foothold or gaining market share rather. And yeah. people were trying to, people were trying to prevent that from happening. They were trying to tear it down. And I just don't see that much anymore. Um, yeah. And I feel like to some extent, to some extent Laravel has won. And I think for the Laravel community, any because Laravel is now the de facto and has won in, you know, the PHP community, I think any time we spend, you know, mudslinging about whether facades are correct or anything, I think that's just that's that's losing. Like it used to be a thing where, you know, Laravel was on equal footing with a few other things in the, in the PHP community. And from my point of view, that's just not the case anymore. And yeah. so we don't need like the battle is over. We don't need to right. fight. Um, and so I don't know much about what goes on in the PHP community outside of Laravel. I think there are other communities, like obviously there's the WordPress community, which yeah. is wholly distinct itself from the PHP community. Yeah. And I think that is probably more the case that there are several large communities, but I don't know of like, I really just don't know of any, I am a native, like, raw php developer right. <laughs> i actually yeah. don't know any of them yeah it's not they, i mean they must be out there right but there's and they're mostly working on like legacy apps presumably and things like that mm-hmm. but yeah because obviously who would start a new app and be like i'm not going to use any framework whether that framework is of course laravel or i mean to me like wordpress is essentially a framework right yes, um sure. so whether you're using wordpress or laravel or i guess maybe there's still a few other php I don't know if Zen framework's still around or what's going on. Symphony's still um, around. Obviously, Symphony's still around for sure. Um, so you know there are a few of those out there still, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of weird, and the the like 
I just love the thing uh, to me I like, like about Laravel and why I think it did so well is just like that level like facades is like a great example it's just mm-hmm. like just that little bit of nicety there it's, just, it's so nice and you could argue all you want about it but it's just so much nicer to write it's that and so have that nicer. code be cleaner it's just and so much nicer it kind of yeah. relates back even to what we talked about last week or a week before about like the the conference I mean I remember going to these PHP conferences oh yeah and they were always at the airport hotel Yep, and they were always horrible, and it was just like a depressing place to be, and you're in this depressing conference room, and it's not, it was not like, it just was not a fun place to be and spend time. And it's like, no, Laravel's like, no, we're gonna just level that up, like just that little yep. bit, like it's just like, yeah, maybe it's a hundred dollars more ticket, right, than it would have been if you had it at the airport hotel. But that difference is like a humongous difference of the quality of the event and the good the time everybody has and all those things. And that's kind of how Laravel itself is, right? It's like, well, you could use these other frameworks, but you know, it's like, oh, there's these little. But do you want to? And, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, sure Laravel, you could. It's like so clean and like this, but... this niceties and all. Every yeah. little corner has got like something for you in it, and um, yeah. So, yeah, that one yeah. that one conference I described as being in a Hilton and being super depressing. That was a, con- a PHP conference that I spoke at. It was just plain <laughs> yeah. PHP, and it was like, yeah. oh, guys, like. This this is not. I don't want to be here. Yep. Because it was you know in the ballroom and it was real drab and depressing and so. And yeah. a lot of them. A sort of interesting thing that's you know the Laravel community really benefits from is how Laravel Inc has been able to support it through you know primarily products and some yep. big sponsorships and stuff too that they get from some of the partners. Um, but definitely a lot of the you know the products that they have and. So, like, I remember paying for these PHP conferences at the horrible airport hotel, you know, $1,200 a ticket, $1,100 yeah. a ticket, because, you know, that person running that event has to actually make money. So, they're right. like, we're going to do it at the airport hotel, but I still need to actually make money uh, because it's, like, part of my income for the year or whatever. And yeah. so, um, you know, so Laravel is able to it, and actually, you know, a lot of times, do it cheaper and nicer because there is this uh, sort of funding engine in the center, which is really useful and i think helps the community out in a lot of ways like now of course he has has the team and uh that just helps level grow faster and uh, all these improvements like prompt and all these other little niceties that are you wouldn't otherwise do but because there's people to do it now we get these nice things which is so cool taylor Um, is empire he is magnanimous (laughs) and gives us free gifts oh boy now you were wait did you finish that no 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 spoilers Okay. Um, I watched, I think, two episodes this weekend. So right. I think Let's I'm into episode five or six. Uh, starting to pick up. Finally, like, finally, Empire's starting to, like, do stuff. And it's not right. just we're building libraries on other planets. And so, yeah, it's it's getting better. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like the end of the second season was definitely the best chunk of it um, across the two seasons. So we'll see. I guess the writing writing strike, I think, is done. So we're near done. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll I get some that. new TV shows at some point down the line here. Yeah, I hope so. All right. So uh, one more item on the official list here is you had this uh, tweet about reading the doc straight through. Oh, good so, tweet. Great tweet. Yeah, I tell you, it was, it was getting action. It was. Uh, I, got, I got a retweet from Swift it. on security. Do you know Swift uh, on security? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whenever Very you get cool. a retweet from him or her that's a good yeah that's a good day yeah i just had this you know i put out a a planet scale youtube video recently and part of the shtick at the beginning was like i was reading the docs and found this part um and 
which is true. I have, you know, I have good, the good parts of the MySQL docs behind me. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of reflecting on like, I don't I don't have an engineering degree. I don't have a CS degree. And a lot of the way that I have like become successful is I just read a lot of programming books and in many cases the documentation and nobody else does that nobody 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 reads anything nobody reads anything and so i just packaged it up into a tweet saying like if you want like the easiest way to gain a relative advantage is to read the documentation straight through just read it read it straight through like a book don't reference it read it straight through Um, same goes for technical books um, and give you superpowers because nobody ever does it. And that's the relative yeah. advantage thing. Like it, it, it is an absolute level up in knowledge, but in, in terms of a relative advantage over your peers, it's huge because you understand. So like what reading the doc straight through gives you is a map of the noble universe. And it, it like it tells you the breadth of everything like let's say Laravel, it tells you the breadth of everything that is there. And here's the thing, you don't have to remember it all. But right. then that gives your brain, that gives your brain a spot, a bucket to put things in the future, yeah. right? So you read the doc straight through, you retain 30% of it, but what you have retained is like this fibrous network structure of things that exist. Then when you see a tweet or you see like a Hacker News or an article or something, you now have a slot to put that in because you have a structure of like, oh, these are, yeah, I remember like that's that kind of corner of this section of whatever. And it also like helps you realize like the available offerings in terms of maybe methods or classes or functions or tips or tricks, like reading these Chapter eight of the MySQL docs is all about optimizations. And it's yeah. just like, there are so many things that the authors of, of the product or the library are telling you that are good optimizations that yeah. I would have never, ever thought about. And here's the thing, would have never thought to look up because right. I don't know what optimizations I don't know. And that's the whole point. And so yep. I feel like reading it gives you an, an, a breadth that then you can slot things in later and also exposes you to like, Oh, there's a method for that. Never knew that. I will just use that method from now on. Right. Yeah, totally agree. I think um, that's definitely how I did stuff, especially early on. But um, yeah, even now, like it's sort of like people try to get it somewhat through osmosis of like being just involved in the community and following all the right accounts and stuff. But there still isn't still not quite the same as digging down in there and reading through the docs fully. Um, And it's not like we talked about with accounting. Like this is what I took from my accounting degree. And it's exactly what you're describing. It's like, you sort of know uh, that stuff exists in this area, whatever that area is. You don't remember the details at all, but you know you can go look up the details. So it's like yes. by reading it straight through, it's like, yeah, you get that impression on your brain. And so when you hit that problem, it's like, yeah, you don't remember the method or the system or whatever, but you know, oh, like there is a solution for this out there. I recall yes. reading something I about this. I think I read something. Yeah. Yes. And then you can go dig around and just reference the material. But yeah, if you hadn't actually read it to begin with, then you're not going to even know that. And you're going to try to come up with your own crazy solution or yep. just search off in a different direction rather than uh, knowing that there is a proper solution with whatever system you're using there. So yeah, I think that's a, a great tip. Um, the most unhinged yeah. response that I got to that was <laughs> somebody telling me, they said, this advice is insanely dangerous. Okay. 
insanely dangerous. And they went on, they went on to um, tell me that 99% of people put off their creative pursuits until they die. I was like, Okay. What? what are we talking about? Where, I said, read the docs, man. Right. And it was basically a, a. He was trying to convince me that reading the docs is a form of procrastination from doing the things that you really want to be doing with your life. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just saying, yeah, if you know. work with if you work with Laravel, reading the Laravel docs is good. <laughs> I told him. I told him. I think this is the most milk toast take of all time. Right. Like, <laughs> if there's a manual, reading manual, good. Like, so grug right. brained. But yeah. Wow. But once it gets outside of your circle, you start to yeah. get you start to get some some chaotic replies. And insanely dangerous was not one I thought I was going to wow. get. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. I I would not have expected that thing. No. I have to say. I mean, I can. <laughs> Other takes, like you might want to say, oh, it's stupid because now we have AI and you don't yes, really just, sure. just tell AI your problem and it gives yep. you the answer or whatever. Okay, fine. But like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't see that at all. It's it's helping you pursue your pursuit. I know, right? that's like, what I'm saying. If you know how to build what you're trying to build yes. uh, in a better way, you'll probably do a better job at it and are somewhat more likely to succeed. Um, yeah. Yep. Do you have a, what are your favorite docs to read? Um, the Laravel docs are extremely well written um, yeah, and very, docs. very perusable. Like you could you can easily right. read those straight through. Um, there are two chapters of the MySQL docs that I have found to be worth their weight in gold. Yeah. And that's chapter eight, which is literally called like optimizations. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, it's just, you know, 200 pages of things you can do to go faster and then I think it's chapter 11, which is data types. And that's where you learn mm. all the stuff that's like, well, timestamp only goes to 2038. So be right. careful. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shoot, that's really good to know. Yeah. Um, so chapter eight and chapter 11 of the MySQL docs. And then a lot um, beyond documentation, a lot of like technical books, even on even on stuff that like I feel like I already know, I'll pick up a technical book. And the thing is, I don't. Like there will be entire chapters that I skip. So like when I'm reading a MySQL technical book, I don't read like replication and setting up your servers. And it's like, I'm just not ever going to do that. Like I'm going right. to use, I'm going to use a hosted provider, namely PlanetScale. And I'm just not going to worry about like how to, why tune the NODB buffer pool. Right. And so I think a lot of the intimidation of reading technical books is like, Oh, I got to read all this stupid stuff I don't know about. And it's like, yeah, you can skip over parts of it. You really can. Like right. if you know that there are sections that like you don't you don't have to worry about, then just skip it and read the good stuff. So yeah. Do you have a do you have a a soft place in your heart for anyone's documentation? Um I mean I mean I the Laravel docs is like why I got involved in Laravel and mm-hmm. that was even way back at the beginning and you know, there was just that craftsmanship there to them where you could read them as opposed to everybody else's docs, which are just like, you know, bizarro land. You have no idea yep. what's going on. I think definitely still a huge differentiator for most open source projects is just like spend that time in the docs just tenfold increases the likelihood of your project uh getting taken up by by other people but um yeah i mean uh, i think you had mentioned this book once and i i did i was surprised you had read it uh it's definitely one of the ones i love best it's I don't even remember the exact name, but it's the, the original MySQL O'Reilly book. It's like Jamie Zawinski or so, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. 
uh it's an awesome book definitely what taught me my sql and that's when i read cover to cover because it was like written so well it's like oh we can just mm-hmm. read this like which is the nice part about book over pure docs because like sure the book has an editor the book yep. is you know uh usually going to be somewhat more readable than the kind of coders who are slapping together docs most of the time yep. so that is nice if you're targeting something that's big enough to have a dedicated book for it then uh that's a way to go, which I think is also like a lost thing, right? Like who thinks about buying a programming book? Like definitely not something I've thought yep. about in a while, but at the same time, these books uh, right here, there you go. These books right here. <laughs> yep. They're everywhere. Get out there and buy those books. Buy Matt That's Stauffer's right. Laravel book. That's read right. That. Um, so yeah, I think those things, uh, but there was something else I was doing recently too. Oh, uh, what I've been messing with single store. I basically oh, yeah. did it. I did skip a few elements, but I read through a lot of it because it's like, yeah, this is like totally different. Um, totally different. So yeah. I can't just hop into, you know, the one section no. I need. You I need, need to map. know a little bit more about what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, the most recent one where I read through a high percentage of the documentation, um, which also then gives you a nice feel for like, like I actually think their documentation isn't my favorite, which is like, no. ah, like that's a little bit of a, a bummer there. And like not, yeah. a consideration for me, at least of like, uh, that, that the docs aren't as fully realized as I would like, um, in areas, which is just a good thing to know about projects too, I think. And so, yeah, so, <clears throat> but definitely agree. Uh, definitely don't think it sets you back. If anything, it's just like making the time for it when you have stuff going on. It's like yeah, can be sure. difficult. But uh, but yeah, I definitely think it's worth doing. I think the sure other ones ways. would be Tailwind Docs. Oh, yeah. Tailwind, Tailwind Docs, Docs are extremely are readable and yep. extremely uh, pretty and visual. Those would be and a just good a ones. great way to get involved, like to learn like what modern CSS does. Like, yeah, whenever yes. I go through there, I'm like, oh, yeah, like there's all this stuff that now they've yes. made so nice for you, but also just, you know, it exists um, and could be a useful thing to have in your mind for next time. You need to do the weirdo thing to make something happen on the screen. It's yep. like, Oh yeah. CSS added this five years ago and now all the browsers support Ex- exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. You could <laughs> we if, can use it for any enterprising inter- individual out there. You could read through the tailwind docs and come up with 100 tweets and I right. guarantee you like 25 of them would just totally pop off because nobody else knows it's there. Right. It's hidden Nobody's in plain going sight. And doing it. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, certainly also just like on the business side of things, I think there's like, if you're, you know, I think I've talked to a million people who've been like, Oh, I want to do a SaaS or I want to do a product or whatever. And I don't have any ideas or all my ideas are bad. Like reading the doc seems like a great spot to me of like going in there and getting ideas for like <clears throat> both, dev products but even just like hey is there some new capability a product has or an open source package has that like other solutions aren't utilizing maybe you can leverage that in some different way like just idea generation um it could be an interesting way to go about that too so yeah and like you said like certainly for audience building and things like that like get in there and just yeah expose these interesting things that nobody else is talking about because nobody else is on yeah, chapter 42 of whatever <laughs> system. And uh, internet's a big place. There's a lot it's of people place. out there who are people. needing information and interested in acquiring it. So, yep. 
and who don't want to read the docs. And that's exactly right. That's why, it gives, that's why you <laughs> get the relative advantage. That is exactly else. right. Yep, exactly. So stay so. tuned for more insanely dangerous ideas, uh, <laughs> such as reading the docs. Man, I almost feel like that should have been po- podcast title material. Insanely dangerous ideas. Like that's I, we haven't we haven't titled it. We could still title it. Yeah, we could do it. We might have to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That might be the one. I mean, All right. Well, another good up. Uh, thanks everybody for listening if you want to get in touch with us mostly technical.com mostly tech pod on x and mostly technical podcast at gmail.com send us some feedback we'll cover it on the show see you next all right talk to you next week